0: Welcome to the Valve Chronicles by ClayVal, your trusted partner since 1936 for the world's highest quality automatic control valves. Join us as we share insights and discuss products that are often invisible, but always essential.
1: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Valve Chronicles, a ClayVal podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. We appreciate you listening along. Make sure that as you're listening to today's episode of the podcast, you're going to our website, clay-val.com. Again, C-L-A-V-A-L.com for more information on our solutions and services and more episodes of the podcast and other ClayVal content. You can also subscribe to Valve Chronicles on Apple Podcasts and Spotify ...for a full catalogue of previous episodes and notifications when we drop new ones. So on the podcast today, we're highlighting a bit of a domino effect... ...that has hit industrial water management facilities uh, in an even greater way as of late. Since COVID has forced many workflows to go remote... ...water districts are having to figure out long-term ways to support remote monitoring of their systems and their gear... So we're unpacking ways that this growing need is impacting industrial water facilities, as well as hopefully provide some guidance on technologies and support to make remote monitoring seamless and efficient for your water systems. So for insights today, we're joined by Mike Trosper, Western Region Service Manager, and Roger Lay, Technical Product Specialist, both with ClayVal. Roger, great to have you on. How are you doing today?
2: Very good. Thank you, Daniel.
1: Fantastic. Pleasure getting to chat. And Mike, how are you doing today?
0: Great. Thanks. Looking forward to talking to you.
1: Absolutely. It's a pleasure having you both on, sourcing your insights on this. So let's go ahead and jump into it and set up some of the context for why we're even having this discussion in the first place. So can you all give us uh, just a little bit of background information on how difficult has COVID been for water district professionals to maneuver? What have the last six to eight months been like?
2: Yeah, Mike, I I believe your crew has... Had to deal with this with water districts and restrictions. How has it been?
0: Yeah, it's been it's been a lot tougher for the guys because they're having to be masked up and, and working in some bad conditions. It's been hot um, over the summer. Staying socially distanced it was tough on some of the situations, some of the jobs we've been on. Not being able to be around people when we need to have information uh, on particular job sites and applications. So it's been a little bit more, you know, tougher than normal summer. So can y'all give us a bit of
1: an overview on some of the main reasons why water valves and uh, maintenance to water systems is needing to be done in the first place? What are some of the most common issues that are popping up today and why?
0: Well, on most water systems, the clay valve is pretty much the brain of the system and they're running 24 seven. So it's like, it's almost as if you think about your car, if you have your car running, uh, eventually you have to do some preventative maintenance to it. You're just not gonna run forever. And so um, that's where we come in. Our valves need to be serviced at least with every three years, depending on water quality or, or pressure drops. It could be even sooner than that to keep them working perfectly and, and not having them uh, cause you heartache in the middle of the night sometime or uh, Seems like that's when they fail. Seems like it's always middle of the
2: night and it's not good. Yeah, I'm sure Mike has a lot of anecdotal stories on that. And but yeah, the districts are faced with providing an always-on system to their customers. Uh, people out of water—that's uh, generally a no-no in the industry. So they've had to keep their uh, systems operating. And the consequences of valve failure in some cases can be catastrophic, whereas others less uh, less of an issue. So they've had to keep on top of their operations so they don't fail their customers' water supply.
1: when these valves are neglected, uh, what happens? You know, what are some of the domino effects? How does this impact uh, waterworks facilities? And uh, you know, what are some anecdotal examples that you may
0: have? Well, depending on the, the model of the valve, it can be catastrophic to a water system. If it's a pressure reducing valve and it's high inlet pressure and it's breaking a lot of head across the valve and it fails, you can blow up service lines, hot water heaters on people's residents. You can do a lot of
2: damage to uh, mains in the street. Yeah, when you ever see on the nightly news uh, a pipe main failure, they don't talk about how it happened. It could be just old pipes or it could have been a valve that was never serviced. That actually caused the problem to begin with, so that's not often talked about when you see on the news about a water main break, something like that. So uh, there's often a story behind it that Mike gets involved in with his crew. Or another example is a valve filling a tank reservoir. If it fails to open or close, or, for example, it doesn't uh, close when it should, it will overflow the tank and waste lots and lots of water thousands and, and and more gallons of water that's a water loss major water loss in some cases
0: yeah so maintaining your valves is much cheaper if you're just doing a periodic repairs is much cheaper than waiting for it to fail and the damage it causes to a system because uh going high pressure not only uh damages the downstream parts of the system, but it can also damage the mains and, and shorten the lifespan of the mains, the service connections, everything involved because of depending on how long the pressure is high and how hard it hits, it, it can do millions of dollars worth of damage to a water system and just with a, a failure of a small couple dollar part.
1: Now, how do these issues differ when looking at a, uh, a more classic hydraulic valve? versus an electronic valve. Are the sort of challenges with uh, neglected maintenance the same? Do they differ? Uh, Is one more difficult than the other? Give us a little bit of a compare-contrast there.
2: Well, the uh, electronic valve, uh, and I do get involved in that often, is when I get a call about a problem, is isolating the problem, whether it's electronic, electric, or hydraulic mechanical in nature. And so oftentimes the customer thinks, uh, first off, oh, it's a electronic problem and troubleshooting it. After a period of time, we isolate it and discover that the problem isn't electric or electronic. Uh, it's really just some mechanical or hydraulic issue with the valve. So it's a process of elimination. And, and uh, Mike's crew Uh, definitely gets involved in the hydraulic side as well as electronic but it's a it could be one or the other Uh, that's part of the servicing aspect is determining where the problem is
1: so with all of this in mind how are water districts determining which valves even need to be serviced in the first place which ones take priority and how to go through that list of maintenance needs
2: Well, as water districts become more aware of asset management programs, including clay valves linked to valves, it doesn't answer the question how frequently they need to go out and inspect and or service their valves. So we were challenged with some software to put together to help water district people make those decisions. And we came up with nine factors that are influence how frequently a valve should be uh, uh, inspected and or serviced, such as operation, how frequently the valve is operating. As Mike mentioned earlier, some of our valves are continuously operating. Or others, like a relief valve, it just rarely, if ever, pops off for a few seconds or a few minutes. And so that did, that's one factor. Uh, service conditions. Uh, is it high pressure drop or high velocity through the valve that, uh, like wear and tear, if you're, do you drive your car 80 miles an hour all the time? Or 55 uh, determines you know, the surface conditions of the valve. Valve size can be a factor. Small valves feeding some irrigation system. Or is it a large valve feeding a whole city uh, is a factor. The importance is it a, 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 another one is, Is it feeding a whole group of high-rise buildings? So if the valve stops working, what's the consequences? Valve age, Mike, you've probably come across some valves that are how old, 30 years old or older, and never been serviced. So that's another factor, water quality. How, what's the, is it clean water, raw water from the river or a lake uh, or abrasives? That all is a factor. frequently it should be looked at in the service history. How many stories we've heard over the years, a uh, customer brags that, oh, I never ha- I've never uh, serviced my valve. You know, it's been in for 20 years. And of course, ClayVal is famous for long-term service, but it doesn't mean that it shouldn't be ever looked at. It's kind of like driving your car and not worrying about it after 50,000 miles and, and uh, never having it uh, checked uh, for servicing. So uh, these and temperature and site access, all are factors that a district needs to take a look at and come up with, as Mike mentioned, probably the longest interval is three years. Whereas some of these valves need to be, uh, how often, uh, some of your valves, Mike, you, you have some that you check on a yearly basis or faster.
0: Yeah, a lot of it depends on water quality. And we have some valves that we'll pull apart every six months. We won't necessarily re- do a full rebuild, but we'll clean the stem, clean the strainer, just check everything because the calcium level really high in the water and stuff. And so, not every valve's that way. I, I would say that's probably three or four percent need need yearly maintenance. But uh, from what we've seen by doing you know hundreds and hundreds of valves a month uh, with twelve different service guys in four states, what we find is that about every 3 years a complete rubber rebuild is definitely needed by that point to to not have any problems in between. And so that's what we put pretty much push in service that in between there though we still think you should do a a yearly pull apart of the valve, clean it and not necessarily a complete rubber rebuild, but it yet at times depending on if something's gone through the valve or depending on what's going on with the valve the the application it may need a, a rubber rebuild a little sooner than that.
2: And we have rebuild kits to make it easy for districts to stock their own shelves. Or if they use Mike's crew, uh, they carry those rebuild kits that makes it easy uh, on standardized uh, clay valves.
1: How should water district professionals determine uh, whether or not whatever maintenance needs to be done is something that they can handle themselves on site? Or something that they're going to need to bring Clay Val in for a more holistic
0: servicing. Well, I think you can. A lot of customers, some of the customers, try to do it on do it themselves. It depends on the size of their systems if they have the ability to do it. It's it's really specialized on on some of our valves, and so that's where our guys, my guys that do it every day, are really sharp at it, and they they can recommend pilot changes and model changes that can help the systems run better.
2: Well, your trucks have the hoist equipment just to lift off the cover of a 24-inch valve. That's not uh, easy to do if you don't have the equipment to do it with.
0: Yeah, like like 24-inch valves and up, you have to have a lot of special equipment. It, it, it's not even safe to do it. If you try to do it yourself, you can actually get hurt or you'll damage the valve. So um, we carry complete, fully stocked, 24-inch, all the safe tools, all the equipment, everything to do, 24s and up. And so that's one thing we recommend. Anytime I've had a district think they're going to do their own, I really try to talk them out of it because of just the damage they can do to the valve and and a safety issue too because it is extremely
2: heavy parts and um, you can get hurt trying to do a, the bigger valves. And as districts lose, they have the brain drain that's becoming increasingly common. The expertise of serving the, servicing the clay valve is uh, added importance of using or taking advantage of available uh, factory service crews that Mike uh, supervises.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things, we have uh, 12 trucks, all crane, air compressor, uh, fully stocked with factory parts about, we carry about a quarter of a million dollars of parts on every truck. And they have the experience, the factory training and the knowledge of valve. that's all we do every day. So you get really good at that when you do it that much. and. It's hard to beat that. And you you got a district that tries to do their valves themselves. Uh, most of the time, you'll pull it apart. You'll have all your kits maybe, but there's going to be one hard part that you don't have. And you end up putting the valve back together. And, and you have to come back a week later when you get the part. And with us, we have everything. We carry every part on the truck. And so it's, it's one time. We show up a couple hours later. It's done. And another thing over a district is, is we probably on average rebuild three to four valves a day where most district guys are lucky to get one done in a day.
2: So there's a lot of savings in that by doing factory service. And uh, as I understand, the uh, factory servicing is now uh, broadened beyond the California borders. Uh, Mike, uh, you've been involved in some expansion of the service department around the country.
0: Yeah, we have Northern California, Southern California, Arizona, we take care of Utah, Nevada, And even Texas now has uh, two trucks in Texas. So we're working slowly getting across the country and to do factory service on our clay valves.
1: In one of our previous episodes, we did a full breakdown of uh, clay valves link to valves system. Can you give us some context on how link to valves intersects with the kind of maintenance that we've been talking about today, especially for electronic valves. Why is it important, and uh, does it assist in making this whole process more seamless?
2: Well, it was originally thought of as an asset management, but uh, ultimately it's an ideal tool for service management. And so districts can not only uh, use it for uh, managing their inventory of clay valve and similar valves, but the capability is there for service management. Mike, I believe your crew logs and and, uh, starts the process uh, and keeps it going for some of the districts you're working with.
0: Yes, uh, every job we do, we log every valve uh, that we're working on and any valve we see in that area, we go ahead and add it to the the list so that uh, the customer can uh, know when their valve was last done and what they have in their system. I get a lot of calls all the time, and someone will say, "You well, know, we got a valve. We need you to do it." Was just done a year ago or two years ago, and I'll look it up in our history, and it was actually four or five years ago. And so time flies, and and it's real easy to when your valves are working good, you actually kind of forget about them. And that's what's really nice about Link to Valve is that it's keeping track of when it's getting when they really need to be done and we my service guys all recommend when it should be it, on certain valves they can tell by the condition of the internals or what the pilot systems look like they can actually recommend a more frequent rebuild to keep you out of trouble or they can actually say sometimes certain valves will be like this valve is you know can run extra long you know extra long four or five years before it needs to be rebuilt and uh, their expertise on that they they really are good at knowing how the frequency and the condition of a valve and 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 be able to put that into link to valve so that you we don't want to see you doing valves you don't need to do we want to see you doing valves that you need to do and being preventative uh, to keep you out of trouble
2: so then the water districts will get their alerts and warnings it's time to get it serviced or time to work with uh, factory service on uh, setting up the schedule ahead of time and that's where linked to valves uh, provides a valuable capability to keep it regular on a preventative basis.
0: Yeah, and what's nice about linked to valve too is it's keeping a picture of the valves and the size and stuff. So if a customer is doing his own valves, when a valve becomes due and, it, and linked to valve lets you know, if it's a smaller valve in some districts, there's a lot of districts who might do their smaller valves, but leave the big valves to us because of the equipment we have and the knowledge. So it's nice to be able to see at a glance how many big valves you got coming up in a year and how many small valves. So it's good that they can let us know and and, uh, prepare with us to let us know what they're going to have us do each year and and not be surprised by how many, uh, the cost or something, maybe be a little bit ready for a little more, spread the cost out a little more over a year or something, depending on uh, the size of the valve and the cost of the valves to do. So another aspect of
1: this is the replacement process for um, bringing in an electronic valve to switch out for a motorized valve. How difficult is that process for water district professionals? And how does ClayVal support said replacement or upgrade process?
2: Well, conversion with ClayVal is a rather simple process. The main valve doesn't change. It's just the external piloting. Uh, so a service crew like Mike's crew often does uh, assist the customers who want to switch over to a uh, electronic or a hybrid, what I call a hybrid, being a combination of electronic and hydraulic control. And uh, Mike's crew especially does this in these conversions as cities want to upgrade their clay valve, they don't have to take the main valve out. They just uh, take the external piloting uh, and convert that over to electronic and hydraulic schematic uh, control. So that's the beauty of the clay valve system. No need to change the valve out, just change the external control tubing and and equipment to take advantage of the modern uh, electronic monitoring and control.
0: Now we have a lot of that are 30, 40, 50 years old that this technology wasn't even around then and we're changing them nowadays, adding them bringing them up to the 21st century with the uh, latest greatest stuff and didn't have to change the body, didn't have to do anything but just uh, convert the body or the convert the pilot system to a, a more up-to-date system.
2: And since our valves actually aren't motorized, although we do have motorized pilot control, some customers, instead of the what we call two solenoid electronic control, they like the uh, traditional hydraulic control, but they want to change the set point. They want to sit in their office and change the set point. So we, and Mike's crew does this, also uh, convert the uh, hydraulic pilot controls to motorized pilot control so that they can just simply change the set point without the motor they just have to get a wrench and uh, make an adjustment to the adjusting set point screw on the pilot to raise and lower the set point pressure or the set point flow now we can add a motor on top of the pilot control to electronically adjust the set points and tie that into scada for remote management of the uh, valve so That's all part of the conversion process uh, is not just all electronic, but just adding a motor to the hydraulic pilot controls to allow remote changing of set points.
1: All right, Roger, Mike, that more or less wraps up a lot of the main points for our conversation today. Last thing I want to touch on is looking ahead a bit in the long run as more water systems are built out with a dynamic set of both electronic and motorized or hydraulic valves and functions. How would you recommend they approach a holistic and versatile uh, oversight and management strategy for this diverse set of valves and gear?
2: Well, I can't think of a better way than just getting started with linked to valves. It's a perfect platform For monitoring and managing and uh, uh, scheduling uh, their water infrastructure and clay is a big part of that system one of the main brains you have pumps that are of course obviously important but valves are right up there because it's a it's a control point that you can monitor and keep track of performance uh, and uh, the link to valves platform is free (laughs) So that that decision is easy, and it's tailored to districts have lots and lots of Clavial in their systems. So it's perfectly tailored to that, and uh, the capabilities of incorporating service management and scheduling is just a, a great way to get started and stay with. Uh, so, and uh, Mike Screw again is helping districts get going with that as they uh, do their servicing.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think getting your valves logged into, getting pictures of them, it's even good for uh, emergencies. If you had something come up, you have a picture of the valve that you can send to one of my guys, or, or uh, and we can look at it and actually walk you through on the phone. It's nice to know what we're going to before we go. Um, so there's so many things that the link to valve, all uh, uh, the kinds of information that it asks is stuff that we know, people that are in the industry, we know what it needs to do. What- we need to know and it tells us that and so you're not logging a lot of worthless information it's all stuff that's uh, pertinent to that valve and it's really nice to go out there and know what you're getting into before you even uh, get to the job
1: all right mike trosper roger lay thank you both so much for joining us on the podcast today and giving us this full breakdown of first how COVID is setting the stage for our conversation today Then getting deeper into a servicing operation, what that looks like holistically, what falls in ClayVal's hands, what falls in a water district's hands, and overall, what sort of challenges await and how they can overcome them. So again, thank you to Mike Trosper, Western Region Service Manager, and Roger Lay, Technical Product Specialist, both with ClayVal. And, Roger, Mike, if folks want to get in touch with either of you uh, or potentially source ClayVal for a more holistic set of servicing needs, how can they get in touch? How can they find more?
2: Well, they can contact our home office and get them in touch with. We have ClayVal factory salespeople all over the country. That's probably the starting point if they're not here in Southern California or uh, Mike, uh, you deal direct with a, a lot of districts here in California. Uh, but if they're not in uh, this local, uh, they can certainly contact our home office and get them in touch with Clayville factory salespeople who can work with them and get that uh, process started.
0: And our website has how to get a hold of service in different areas, different uh, countries even. Uh, that we have service all over the world in different areas. So that's it, the best way is probably go to our website and, and go to the service tab. And that would lead you to who you need to get to for your area. Mike, Roger, thank
1: you both for joining us again on the podcast and looking forward to chatting again soon.
2: Thank you, Daniel. Well, thank you. Thanks a lot. Bye.
1: And thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Valve Chronicles, a ClayVal podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure you're going to clayval.com, C-L-A-V-A-L.com, or subscribing to Valve Chronicles on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.